Give me a second. Give me a second. Change hats. Change hats. Give it up for the band. Come on. Give it up. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. That was, that was scary. <laughs> that was scary. My kids dressed me, in case you guys are wondering. I, you know, red shoes, leather jacket, skull cap. Uh, I appreciate the applause very much. That was uh, nerve-wracking. Um, we're, uh, we're in a series entitled Remix. Everybody say, Remix. And we've been doing um, different messages based on pop culture songs, iconic songs, and certainly, how many love Journey? Come on, somebody. You can't go wrong with that. And we've taken um, different pop culture songs and we have kind of leveraged them and pulled or extrapolated some some ideas from them to be able to communicate biblical truths, biblical values, something that can help us in our Christian walk and in our experience. If you're new to Connect, we just kind of, we don't run from culture, we just, we leverage it, you know, we're, we're supposed to be in the world, but not of it, we're supposed to be an influencer on the world, not influenced by it, can I have an amen? amen. And so that's just what we're doing, and uh, this was kind of the, the end of a fun series, and uh, I'm so proud of our band and all the talent and team that we have, and, and appreciate um, everybody that, and what they've done. But today we're going we're gonna to take it uh, to uh, just another level. I want to talk to you about the subject, faithfully. Everybody say faithfully. faithfully. And specifically, I want to talk about the faithfulness of God. Amen? I was thinking about um, <clears throat> my Christian experience, and uh, this is my Bible. It's covered in duct tape. Uh, I've had this since uh, 1983, this NIV Thompson Chain Bible. And uh, I could never part with it, so every time somebody would offer, I've had three different times people offer to go get it professionally bound, and uh, I just can't part with it, so I just kept duct taping it so that it would stay together. How many know you love a Bible when you duct tape it, right? So this is prepared for a Holocaust. So anyway, <laughs> but in my experience as a uh, Christian, 30 plus years I've been a Christian, um, I have grown to the place where I, I, I trust the faithfulness of God, the promises of God more than any other time in my Christian experience. And, and I want to talk to you about the faithfulness of God and how you can trust and how you can rely kind of on God's word today. And I was thinking about when I was younger, I remember going on a retreat. I never understood why we call them retreats because we're not going backwards. We're supposed to be going forwards. You know, they should be called advances or something like that. But we were going on a retreat. It was a leadership retreat, and we had these different things that we would do, um, individual obstacles that you'd go climb a pampered pole, go down a zip line, things like that. But the toughest ones, ironically, were the ones that you had to do as a team. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever done some of these, like, these kind of things together, these leadership development things, outdoors type thing? So there was this one particular one. It was called the trust fall, the trust fall. And, and I was with a group of people, um, and I was selected from this group as the guinea pig to be able to stand on some sort of a precipice. And, and, and it would be like this. It would be much higher. I think it was about like seven, eight feet high. And then you stand back two, and the guy would say, cross your arms and close your eyes, and then just fall back into the arms of your team, right? And I remember when I was selected uh, from the group, I, I, I just kind of panned the faces of the people in my group. They didn't look very happy with the selection. 
I felt a loss of, uh, you know, confidence, you know, and they were like, dang, man, you know, and it was kind of scary. And, and, and it, it was exacerbated when I was standing there on that precipice back to them, and, and the leader just says, okay, Derek, just fall back. You can trust them. You can do it. Just trust that they'll catch you. Just trust that they'll catch you. And as I began to lean back with my eyes closed, I heard three or four women scream, not with joy, not with just excitement. You can do it! Ah! No, it was like, ah! And I remember falling, and it seemed like an eternity. And I literally, like, like, like a dead animal shot by a rifle, I went right through their arms on the ground. Bam! That left a mark. How many know that will it affect your trust dramatically? So it seems that, that, that all of us have experiences that might not be as physically painful as that, but they can be as emotionally painful, spiritually painful, uh, and, and, and it gets increasingly more difficult as a result of situations and scenarios like that to trust, to trust, you know? And, and as I was evaluating my life and I was, I was thinking about as I get older, I have a harder time trusting people. You know, if I'm honest, I'll, I'll pick on him again because I picked him on him in the last service, but, you know, I'll just, just use him. This is just an example, so don't get all sidetracked with this, and he's wise enough not to take this personally, but, you know, you know do I trust Pastor Kristoff here in the second row? Yeah! Like, 65 to 75%. Do I really, like, 100%? Like, I don't know. I know I'm pretty, I mean, we... You know, I know him for a little while, just great God, I, godly, I've heard, but you know, and then I, I thought, well, what about, if you ask me, well, what about, oh, what about Pastor Deej? You know, you, surely you trust him. I've known him longer. We've been through it. Yeah, I trust him. You hear my voice? There's a little bit of, like, I don't know, 85-ish percent? You know? In other words, there's something inside of us that's not like, all in, I can fall back on that. 100% total trust. And you could pick someone and you could put someone and fill in the blank, but it's because, why is that? Why is there that holdout, whatever that percent is? Because we've been lied to, we've been burnt, we've been betrayed, we've double crossed, we've put it out there and then. Bam, you know, and, and it hurts. And sometimes what happens is in our relationships, and I'll get into the big idea really quick, what happens because of this is it can start to spill over into our relationship with God. Here's your big idea, and this is kind of my caution to you today is don't let the unfaithfulness of others spill over into the faithfulness of God. I hope you walk away remembering that statement. Do not let the unfaithfulness of others spill over into the faithfulness of God. Because there are people in life, and we all know some, we might have been one where we have, we have let people down. We have been faithless, unfaithful to someone in some capacity, some way, shape, or form. I was thinking about this in the context, you know, of marriage and family life and things like that or, or relationships. There, there are people that you look to as an authority to trust and to protect you and to, to hold you in high esteem. And take it all the way to the extreme. They abused you. 
emotionally, physically, maybe even sexually? What will that do to what you and how you look at what people say and, and trust things? Some people have had parents make promises to you, a father, a mother. Sometimes you've had a father and mother, and they made promises to each other, a husband and a wife. They made promises to each other, and they vowed, I will be with you, richer and poorer, sickness and in health, no matter till death do us part. And they said it before God, and they said it before people. Bam! And then it was over. Like, what? Like, what does it mean then? What does that mean? And, and that, whatever that is, and all of those things that you can throw in there in your life, it can spill over into your relationship with God. Have you ever done this? I know I have. When you enter a situation, and because consciously or unconsciously of these kind of things, you like hold back. I don't want to get my hopes up. Step back. Is anybody? No, just me, just me. Where you kind of hold out, you know, and you, and you, you kind of consider the worst case scenario. And, 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 and if it does not happen, you know, I won't, I won't be let down. And these experiences spill into our understanding sometimes of the promises that are in this book that you can literally put your life on the line for. It spills into that. And it spills into this. And it's, it's something we got to watch out for. I catch myself being guarded spiritually sometimes. Maybe, maybe consciously or unconsciously, I don't know what's happening, but it's happening. And sometimes I know what I'm thinking. I'm, you know, is the cross really enough? Is it? Was it for me? Is the Holy Spirit really enough to help me navigate this life? Are the, are the, you know, are the promises of God about heaven, is, is it really true? It's all going to be better at the end? There's something inside us that has these trust issues with the promises of God. And so we look at these problems and they affect these promises in the process. And God is saying to me, if I said it, I meant it, and I will keep my word. And that's what we need to learn today. Principles of faithfulness. The first one is this. Number one, write this down. God's promises, they can be trusted. They can be trusted. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9 in your notes, it says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. Everybody say, God is God. <laughs> He's a faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. The word faithfulness in the Hebrew, it's, it, it basically means it's to prop up, you know, uh, to support it to, it's something you can, uh, you can lean on. I won't lean on this too much, but, but the promises of God, you could put your full weight on them. That's what it means, that word faithfulness. I remember when I was in the Dominican Republic and to, to sometimes rally the children to be able to, to, to speak to them and share God's love with them. We would do different things, and I would do all these physical things, and I would have them come around me, and, and, the, and the leaders would stack the kids on my back, and I would do push-ups until I couldn't do them anymore. And there, how many know we have limits and how much we can support, but God doesn't? There are no limits to how much weight he can carry and how much responsibility he can carry. And so I've been praying for you that, that we'd be able to work through our trust issues today. We all have them. I'm praying that you would see that you can trust God 100%, 100% of the time. 
And there's a scripture from 2 Timothy that's really the big one that I, wanna, I want you to see it. I want you to throw it into your devotions and, and interact with it throughout the week. But 2 Timothy 2, verse 11 through 13, it says this. This is such a cool opening. He says, Paul speaking to his spiritual son, Timothy, here is a trustworthy saying. You can count on this, Timothy. You can bank on it. This, this check will cash. He says this, if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown us. Or that one translation says, if we deny, he will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot disown or deny himself. And here's what's going on in this particular text. Paul is writing to Timothy. Amazingly enough, if you look at a whole letter, Timothy's a letter. Paul wrote to his son. In 1 Timothy 4, we can see that Paul is in prison, sentenced to die. He's about to die. And he writes from that position and in a certain disposition, a letter to Timothy to basically tell him, hey, listen, don't freak out. You're, you're, you're freaking out. And then Timothy's on the other side like, why wouldn't I freak out? My mentor, my spiritual father is in prison and he's going to die for what he does and I do, I do what he does. Is everybody you, you tracking? In other words, I'll take one of my spiritual fathers, whether it be my father who will probably be in the next service or take my, my spiritual father, Jonathan Del Turco, who's spoken here. It would be like Jonathan speaking and preaching and then all of a sudden because of what he does, he gets locked up and put in prison and they tell him he's going to die for his faith. How many know I'd be concerned for him? That's my, that's my spiritual father. That's the, he's a mentor to me. But I'd also be concerned for myself. Like, I'm next. That's what's going on in this scripture. And Paul tells Timothy, hey, 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 stop freaking out. And in 2 Timothy 1, 7, earlier, he says, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. God has not given you a spirit of fear. He's given you a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. I want you to, what are you afraid of? I'm the one who's in prison. I'm the one who's about to die, but I'm not afraid. Do not be afraid. This, what I'm showing you, Timothy, is a trustworthy statement. If I die, I live with him. If I live, I reign with him. He's faithful even when I'm faithless. He cannot deny who he is. That's what Paul is saying. Are you guys tracking with me? And I was thinking about this in the context of marriage. How many of you married? Raise your hand. Okay. Or Ben married? Probably most, a lot of us. I have these, these friends, this is very recent, painful experience. I have these friends, they've been married for a long time, long time, and their marriage is over. Uh, one of the parties uh, was unfaithful, cheated on spouse, and while I could talk a lot about that, and sometimes that's the part we want to focus on, what is interesting was the response of the other spouse. The other spouse retaliated. A vengeful retaliation, uh, just like, wow, like, like just hurtful response to what had happened. And, and as I'm thinking about that situation, I'm, it made me kind of ask a question about myself, and I pose it to you as well. Like, what would you do? Don't answer this out loud, but what would you do? Think about this. If your spouse was unfaithful, would you remain faithful? Would you? This spouse didn't. And I like to think that if my wife was unfaithful, that, that I would remain faithful. 
I'd like to think that. I'd like to, I'd like to believe that I could keep the vows that I made before God and before witnesses to her, regardless of what she did, that I would keep those vows, that I would hold fast what I said, that I would, I would follow through on that commitment. I'd like to think that I would do that. But sometimes, if we're honest, and I'll just use myself, sometimes there's, when, we, when, we are, when someone is unfaithful to us, there's something inside of us that wants to retaliate. There's, there's, an, there's a seed of sin, there's wickedness, and, and sometimes it's deep in our members, and we want to, uh, yeah, you, think, you know what I mean? And sometimes it's more subtle. Sometimes it's more like, oh, you think that? Well, you know, I'm 47. I'm still sexy. You know what I mean? Hashtag keep dreaming. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there's, there's, there's just this, this, this continuum from something like that to, rah, you know, I'll get you back. And, and, and there's this work inside of us that sometimes is battle. When someone is unfaithful to you, it, it affects you deeply, is my point. Are you tracking with me out there? But you, what you need to know, what God was saying to me is, that may be true for you, Derek, but I'm not like that. When you are unfaithful, when you are faithless, I remain faithful. I'm not like you. Don't charge your experience, your views, what's going on inside you to me. I'm not just acting faithful. I am faithfulness. That's a fill in the blank. God doesn't act like he's faithful. He is. It's his attribute. He's the embodiment of faithfulness. He cannot stop keeping his word. And so that's why Paul is saying to Timothy, this is trustworthy. You can take it to the bank. And, and this might have been back then like this text might have been like a song they sang in church. But as believers, those who are in Christ, we should have this Paul-like attitude about everything. But death and life and, and how we view it. And if we die, we live. If we live, we reign. And we, we live this overcoming life while we're here. But what affects that is this next principle. Number two, life is difficult. See, Life, life spills over too. Life is difficult. I was studying the other day and I, I came upon a very interesting man and, and his story. And there was this talk show, this radio talk show host in California on the West Coast, Christian, and uh, very well known. And he was talking about the soul and the continuation of the soul after this life? Is, is there an immaterial world and all of that? It's very, very interesting, and I want to play a clip for you real quick. They're going to put that up right now. Listen to this. Secular science is addressing the question, is, does man have a soul? Is there such a thing as immaterial reality? And it's couched in the category of, is there life after death? It's the same question. I mean, look, you guys know I ride a motorcycle, right? So at any moment, uh, especially with the idiot people who cross the diamond lane into my lane, all right, without any blinkers, not that I'm angry about it, but uh, at any minute, I could be spread all over the 210. But that's not me. That's my body parts. And that, that key now. distinction undergirds the so, entire Judeo-Christian So this guy, Frank, is actually his last name is Pastor. It's pretty interesting. He, he basically goes on, but he, he basically is saying that if I was to leave here, go out onto Highway 210 and, and, and be in the diamond lane and a car comes out and hits me and my body is splattered all over the road, he goes, that's okay because that's not me. 
That's not who I am. I have a soul. And because of my convictions and my trust in what God says, I believe that, in essence, to be absent from the body, the Bible says, is to be present with the Lord. I, I know that my life will continue, that dying here is never really dying. That's what he said. And what's amazing is, three hours after he said that, he got on Highway 210 in the Diamond Lane, and a car came out from nowhere and hit him on his motorcycle and killed him. And, and, and the part that I want to emphasize is not the sadness of that and the gore of that and, and what about all of that, but, but just what I love about this, and love is not the, the perfect word, but is here's Frank talking about this openly. Three hours before it happens with total confidence in his convictions and what he believed about God and the faithfulness of God and the soul. He's saying, that's just my body. It's just a shell of who I am. My soul is the big deal, not this. This isn't the big deal. This is the big deal. He had total He was saying with total confidence. Like it's, and Paul was saying the same thing in this text. If I die, I live with him. Timothy, stop freaking out. You have a trust issue. And when we respond the way we respond, it reveals maybe, maybe, I submit to you, a trust issue. Maybe. And this was their attitude. They were so secure in the faithfulness of God. And I don't know how much you trust him, but don't confuse life with God. That's your fill in the blank. Don't confuse life with God. God is good. Life is unfair. Life is difficult. I was listening to a woman. Her, her name was Rachel. We'll just, call, we'll just call this Rachel's story. She was, like many of the women in this room, she was 37 years old, a month to two months away from her 38th birthday. And she was telling a story. Thousands of people were there to hear this story. She's not a public speaker. She's a mom with terminal cancer. She's two young children. She probably wasn't going to see her 38th birthday. And she asked that this message would be videotaped so that her younger children, when they come of age, would be able to hear their mother's heart and, more importantly, see their mother's trust in the faithfulness of God through suffering. And she answered basic questions that many of us ask and have not had answers for, many of us have asked and feel like we do have answers for with different degrees of confidence. But she's answering, why do we suffer? And she basically said that, you know, we live in a sinful world, kids. She's talking to her kids, to all these people. We, bad things happen, good and bad people. It's just, it's a cursed world. And it was not supposed to be this way, but it, it won't always be this way. But God has a plan. And he's made a way for us to be with him in a perfect world, ultimately, for those who are in Christ Jesus. And she said, so we endure until he comes. The truth is, kids, we're all dying. All of us are dying. And God is allowing this. It's not because he's slow. It's because he's patient. First Peter 3.9 talks about the patience versus the slowness of God. He might be waiting so he can reach one more, two more, 2,000 more, 2 million more people. Because, when, kids, when he comes back the second time, there's no more chances. I'm holding out because I want to do all of this awesomeness with you. If you this, and I'm faithful, and I will, and I'm going to keep my promise. But between now and then, hang on. Endure. Remain faithful. He will return. 
and it's awesome. And she said, to make sense of all this, basically, she says, he doesn't cause these things, but he can leverage them. He can use suffering. Suffering is temporary, but life is eternity. And all of this, kids, will make sense. When I'm in eternity and you're there with me, all of that will seem light and momentary, the Apostle Paul said. And so did this woman, Rachel. And so does Frank. And hopefully so do you. One man said, God allows in his wisdom that which he can prevent in his power. So people will turn to him and put their trust in him. So Paul tells Timothy, endure, hang on, don't quit, don't give up. And if you do, there's rewards. But there's this two-letter word, and it's really important in our Christian experience. It's a key word, and the word is if. If we will endure, we will reign with him. Look in your notes, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 14. It says, for if, for if. We are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed. We will share in all that belongs to Christ. Colossians 1, 22 through 23, I'll read verse 23. It says, but you must continue. Or in the King James, it says, if you continue in faith to believe this truth and stand firmly on it, Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news, when you first gave your life to Christ. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed to proclaim it. He's telling Timothy, life is difficult. Hold the line. Hold the line. It's a scratch in eternity, what you're fighting for. And that's our next point, number three, is we must remain faithful to be rewarded. We must remain faithful to be rewarded. As I was studying the scripture the other day, I thought I, I received something from the Lord and it came to me. And, and it's regarding a really tough subject. And I'm going to be kind of honest with you. I'm a little scared to share this. But it's about the subject of suicide. When I read, I'm just telling you about my devotional life, my interpretation of scripture. But when I read these scriptures regarding perseverance, remaining faithful, I started to think about people in this world who take their very lives. And understand before I go any further, I am not making a definitive statement. I'm going to repeat it so there's no miscommunication through the web or this room. I am not making a definitive statement. I don't believe I have enough competence or confidence in the scriptures to say that I'm not saying that anybody who takes their life is going to hell. People believe that. I'm not saying that. I'm not, that's not my point, okay? But I am saying this. As your pastor, and as, let's just say an influencer, I'm giving a warning right now. I'm giving a warning, okay? I don't believe that I can address this without talking about what Scripture says. Scripture talks about, and and when you read these passages about perseverance, I want you to think about this issue. I would say that if there is this pattern, I'm just going to call it that, in your life, where you are not getting real joy from your relationship with Jesus, from your understanding of the cross, from from your, your communion with the Holy Spirit, from the fruit of the Spirit is not active and vibrant in your life, and if, if that's the case, and, 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 and instead there is this pattern of selfishness and self-absorption and a preoccupation with you where all you can think about is yourself to the point where you think about hurting others by killing yourself. If these thoughts are constant in your life, I think it would be foolish for you not at least to consider that maybe you're not in Christ yet. 
You should maybe have a, I call them a mirror moment with the word. Like look at the word. Not one part that you like, but all of it. And have a mirror moment with it. And determine whether you really get it. You're really in Christ. Because if your thoughts are this way, I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm cautioning you. Because I say this because I have this concern as somebody who's been in ministry a long time and seen a lot of tough things and a lot of tough situations, especially people who have contemplated suicide. That feeling, that feeling excuse me, is so great, you just want to escape. And it's there that in that place that this thought comes into your head. And I do not believe it's from God. I believe it's from the enemy of your souls. It comes into your life and it tries to tell you that if you, if you take, if you, if you bail and if you abandon ship, that pain will stop. And you'll escape this pain. But my concern is that some of you are thinking that, but you might find there's more pain on the other side. That it was nothing compared to the pain that was ahead. And I know what it's like to have that voice in your head. I understand that many go to bed in pain. Many wake up with this pain. Like, you know, I've, I know the phrase, life sucks and then you die. I heard that. All right? I thought about this myself at many stages in my life. Two times in particular that I can remember. Suicide has run in my mother's line. Some horrible stories. And I can remember two occasions. I still have the pictures. I still have the, I still have the tape. I remember. And I don't know if it was because sometimes it's a generational thing. It's like a tsunami, something that happened in the past. It just keeps trying to be propelled through the future. And sometimes I think the enemy comes in there because he can see your future better than you can. Not because he's omniscient, but because he's just intelligent. And he's paying attention. And he sees the threat you are on humanity for the kingdom. So he comes in and he tries to put these thoughts in your brain. But I've had those, but I didn't. By the grace of God, I didn't fall through in that. And I'm thinking, why? It's because there was this fear in me, this healthy reverence or fear for what God said, what I heard, what I read, what I, what I put in, into memory and let it hide and be hidden in my heart. I want to show you the scripture from Jeremiah 32. Are you tracking with me, everybody? You're quiet, and I, I hope it's because you're paying attention. Jeremiah 32, 40 says, I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I will never stop doing good. And everybody loves that part. Oh, hug me, Jesus. High five. boy. But then he goes on, as he does in a lot of places in the Bible that we omit, and he says, and I will inspire them to fear me so that they will never turn away from me. See, this pain that you're maybe experiencing or have experienced in your life from time to time, you're saying like, you don't know my life. You don't know my situation. You don't know the temptations I feel that I can't overcome. And God is saying, I do, and you can't handle it, but I'm going to help you overcome it. You don't have to fight it by yourself. You don't have to do it by yourself. As you trust and rely on my faithfulness, I will put a healthy fear in you and a reverence for my word. It'll keep you in check when you think about those things. It'll pull you right back over. Let me explain this as best I know how. It's, it, well, first of all, Revelation 2.10 says, this is a, a message that was written to the church of Laodicea, but it says at the end of it, it says, be faithful even to the point of death, and I'll give you the victor's crown. In other words, remain faithful and you will be rewarded. But, but this if, if, if. There's another side that we don't want to talk about sometimes, and basically it says if we deny him, he will deny us. Oh, I hate that point. I hate it with a passion. In Matthew chapter 10, 
We sometimes talk about this at a water baptism, which is coming tonight. By the way, like 30 people are getting baptized tonight, praise the Lord. And like nine babies getting dedicated. Some people love God and love each other. So, <clears throat> but we usually say this there. But basically it says, whoever acknowledges me before others, I'll acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me or denies me, I will disown before my Father, deny before my Father. See, some of us love the blessings of God's scriptures. Yay! Woo! High five. But we don't want to talk about the consequences of not all of what scripture says. We're often conditioned not to believe Sometimes the authorities in my life are for real. Like, yeah, I believe that, but there's no way God's going to deny me. It's like a father who tells his kid, you know, put your toys away or you're going to get punished. I'm going to count to three. Johnny, put your toys away. One, two, three, four. What are we telling? What are we telling little Johnny? We're, te- we're not telling little Johnny we, we, we love him. We're telling Johnny we're not faithful to what we said. My dad used to come out in the mornings, and, and, and my mom's not a morning person. She'll never see an 815 service ever in, before Jesus comes. <laughs> ever. And she hates getting up in the morning. She used to make us breakfast. If that's what you want to call it, she didn't like breakfast. And she'd get this packet and throw water in it. It was called Wheatina. It was otherwise known as cement. <laughs> and I hated it. And I would complain. And my dad came out. Remember one time he came out in the kitchen. He put his face right up in my ear. And he says, don't complain about your mother's cooking. I don't like it either. But don't complain about it. <laughs> if you keep complaining, you have to eat that. I'll tell you what. You have to eat that every day for seven days for complaining. Next day, where was dad? Nowhere, praise the Lord. Back to Pop-Tarts, baby. (laughs) Took the same effort, Mom. (laughs) My point is, how many promises have you broken with your kids, your family, your loved ones? Over and over. But God is not like that. On either side of truth, like it or don't like it, he is faithful. And that is for you. It's for your protection, not your restriction. It's for your safety, your security. When? Forever. 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 You might think it's cruel, but I think it's faithful. I have friends that have a kid who's cranky and wakes up every day cranky. And he's like, I got to be a better parent. So he tells his kid, you wake up like that one more time, there's going to be consequences. Kid gets up, cranky. Cranky, 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 cranky. He says, I tell you what, you wake up like that one more time, you're going to have to get up an hour early and pull weeds. I said, Dad, you went way over the top. You know what I mean? Like, now you're going to have to be involved in punishment. So you better, you better follow through or you're going to have a problem with your kids. So, oh. Next day, gets up early. He's got like an eight-year-old out in the front yard pulling weeds before school, like six in the morning. You know, it was tough for him, it was tough for her, but he followed through. Now, some of you probably listen like, that's so mean, that's so mean. I say that's faithful. That's what we need to learn, not to be cranky and much worse in our life. We need a God who's like that, and he is like that. And so if he says, 
He will deny us if we deny him. He will. And some of you are like, well, you know, how if, what about my unfaithfulness? I recognize I've been unfaithful. Just because you've been unfaithful does not mean he will not be faithful. How, if I'm unfaithful, how can I still have salvation? How can I still have fellowship? How can I still have relationship? Because it has nothing to do with your faithfulness and your works and what you could accomplish. It has everything to do with the finished work of Jesus Christ, what he did and will continue to do in his faithfulness. You can't change anything. You cannot do anything to change, but he can do everything to change you. Praise God. I would just ask, how much do you trust his word? How much can you lean on this? How much does it support you? What percentage have you transferred trust to him? I was thinking about a scripture that I was reading with fresh eyes just this middle of the week in prayer this Wednesday. I was praying and I was thinking about the scripture, 1 John 1, 9. And it says, if you will confess your faults, your sins, if you confess your sins, he is faithful. It just hit me. And just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And I was, I was, I got, sometimes when I pray, I, I, I'm just going to do it. I got down on my knees and I was just, I had to interact with the promise of God, you know, not just read it and go buy it. And, and I just sat there, I kneeled there and I was thinking, you see these sins that are in my life, God. And I had this holy fear, reverence of him. I'm like, I see all this sin. This sin should separate me, but because of you, it doesn't. And you see this sin? Can you, can you take it? I confess it's wrong. All these things, ugh, ugly stuff, things I've said, things I've done. I confess it. And I started just confessing my sins and just, just take it, just take it, just take it. And I thank you, God. I thank you, God, that I would, when I'm faithless and unfaithful, you're faithful. I'm not. You are. And I'm sorry that I've applied my, my faithlessness with your faithfulness. Just take it. Take it. I, I transfer confidence and trust in what I could do to what, what you did. You are faithful. And you are just, too. You didn't just, like, blow it off. You didn't just, like, let it go. You let it go for me. You, put, you let me off the hook. But, but you put your son on the hook for me. You are just. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. By his stripes I'm healed. It was through the shedding of blood that I, the, there would be no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. And your blood was shed for me. You are just. It took blood, payment for sin. You're so just. You're so faithful. And then I was just, I was just embracing this faithful God and the faithfulness of God. And then, and then I, I had another choice to make in that scripture. Now, if that's true, if it's not 60%, 70%, if it's 100% what he said, then the Bible says he cleanses me. I'm not talking about I washed my hands. I'm not talking about a shower and I sprayed on some perfume to mask the dirt and the slime. No, it was a full detox. It made me new. It, it just, a new heart, a new creation, a new life. I'm, I'm pure again. I'm, he sees me as whiter than snow. I'm not the same as I was before. And, and then I got up and I'm, and I'm realizing I'm cleansed, not because of what I could do, but because of his faithfulness for me. And, and then you walk away from prayer different because the promises of God are true. 
And I want to encourage you with this final scripture because you've read it before, but maybe you haven't read it with the confidence that you need. It's about the heaven. It's about heaven. It's about the end game. It's about why we remain faithful. I believe there's rewards in this life, but I believe there's an ultimate reward. And as Christians, you need to know it. You need to know you will stand before God yourself, not because you went to connect. You have a membership here. But because you know Jesus. You met Jesus and you encountered the faithfulness of God and you put your trust in him. This is a trustworthy statement. When we think about heaven, it shouldn't be like 70%. It should be like, are you kidding me? We get to go there? Like, pipe jump? <laughs> Woohoo! That's what it should be like. And if it's not, you might have some trust issues. You might not get fully the faithfulness of God. Romans 21.1 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem coming down from heaven, from God, prepared as a bride. Like he's been working on this. Beautifully dressed for her husband, the church. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he's going to dwell with them. We're not going to be disconnected. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eye. And there will be no more death, no mourning or crying or pain. For the, order, the old order of things has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. And then he said, he said this, he said, write this down. These words are a trustworthy statement. These words are trustworthy and true. Would you stand to your feet and close your eyes and let me pray for you? You might be here today and missed one of the most important promises of God. And that's transferring trust for your eternity, your eternal security to God. Maybe you haven't done that fully. Maybe you've never done that ever. Be very still. Be very calm. Please honor the people around you who are encountering the word of God. Please, a healthy reverence. Would you just close your eyes, please? Close your eyes. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's not for me. It's for them. If you're here today and you, and you, you just struggled with trust, trust issues, your trust issues won't get easier and they won't get better until you surrender 100% to the only one who's faithful. Don't allow life, don't allow the relationship experiences and things you've had with other people to spill into an opportunity to be totally secure, to do that trust fall right now. I'm asking you to lean back, to close your eyes and fall into the arms of your Savior and say, Jesus, I want to give you my life 100% today. No looking back. I want to put everything in you and I believe and I confess that Jesus Christ is now my Savior and my Lord. If that's you, would you raise your hand boldly, high, and just say that's me. Good and high. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. 9, 10, 11, yes, 12, 13. Yes, thank you, God. And anybody that's listening online, you respond as well. The anointing doesn't miss you. I want you to pray this prayer with me, church. Say, Jesus, I transfer my trust to a faithful God who remains faithful even when I'm unfaithful. I can't do anything to change me, but he can do everything to change me. Thank you, Jesus. You are my Savior and you are my Lord. I will remain faithful 
in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Let's give the Lord the biggest hand clap we can. Trust the faithful.